Todd Ennis, From Trials to Triumphs. Turn your life around and be better for it. Hear from those who've done it tough and triumphed. Hear how you can do the same. Welcome to the podcast. All right, so Graham Henry, welcome to the uh, the show, mate. How are you? Oh, I'm pretty good, uh, Todd. Yep. You're uh, going good, mate, and uh, just doing me best. Doing Thought your best? Do. Yeah, good. I um, I could introduce you in a certain way, but I thought that I'd, I'd go with uh, my first meetings with you, GH. Yeah. I'm going to call you GH too, by the way, Yeah. if that's, that's okay. Worries, yeah. So my first meeting with Graham was uh, I took over the under-15s coaching at Valentine there last year. I got to coach your um, wonderful grandson, Adam. That's correct. Who I'm extremely fond of. He, um, he ended up reminding me a lot of myself, so I was really drawn to Adam. He's a beautiful young kid and um, got a great heart. Yeah. So my first impressions were down at the uh, footy oval. And I'd heard that I was coaching Graham Henry's nephew and, you know, the boys were sort of playing a few jokes and saying, you want to pick him where he's told, where you're told, mate, or you might find yourself six in feet under. <laughs> and um, I said, mate, you've been fair dinkum here. I, I might just go and say hello to him. And he said, well, why don't you go over to him? There's all these bully ants on the ground. Tell him to pull his gun out and shoot him. I said, that's not, that's not how I'm going to go and introduce yourself. But you probably get that, that type of stuff. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Had all my life, mate. Yeah, yeah. Yep. And then, so just on Adam and, and, and your family too, uh, obviously they're really important. Oh, very. Yep. Uh, very, uh, family is very important to me. Uh, you know, I've been with my wife 50 years this November. Yep. So, uh, you know, no, they've meant a lot to me, mate, and uh, probably changed me in a lot of ways as I got a little bit older. And, uh, you know, when I was a young gun, I probably didn't think about it too much. But, you know, look, they've always stood by me, been 100% behind me all the way. No matter what I did in my life, and uh, I mean, you know, they didn't know really what I got up to, but you know, I mean, I, they know today, of course. But yeah. uh, you know, that was one of the things that I did. I, I never ever talked to me home about anything I did, or or brought me business home. You know, uh, I used to usually go to Sydney for about three days a week, and then uh, let the gang run the rest of it for the rest of the week, and then I'd come home and just be like a normal family man once I walked in my own door. You know. So you'd wear two caps, basically. Yeah, I did. Yeah, Jekyll and Hyde personality, mate. Yeah, <laughs> let's. I mean, we've already sort of dived into that sort of life, I guess. And um, you know, for people that don't may not know, you're extremely um, popular figure in the underworld, and yeah, notorious would be the word. Notorious, yeah, yeah very notorious. And um, it's it's a bit of an honour to have you on the show, to be honest, mate. It's probably the biggest hitter I'll I'll ever have. So <laughs> I'm a fraction nervous, but um, tell us about how where it all started for you, Graham, and. Um, and more, I'm more interested in sort of what made you start to think that you were going to get into a life of crime. Get into that life. Well, I guess it was, uh, you know, the, the crap I lived with at home. Uh, I had a very extremely violent father and, uh, you know, he used to flog my mother with his fist, not like a backhander or pull a hair. He'd fucking flog her like a prize fighter. Mm. She only had one leg. So from the age of six or seven, I was putting on steel sprig football boots and jumping on his fucking head when he was on the ground. And, uh, you know, he'd flog me. From 13, I was fist fighting him on the front lawn alone to try and stop him. Christ. And uh, it wasn't until I was about 16 that uh, he'd give me mother a really bad hiding one night and she was hiding under the house covered in blood clots. Wow. And uh, she didn't want to let me know where she was, but I saw a trail of blood leading and he was in her bed they'd slept apart for years and uh so i went down sooner and then i ran up the stairs just fucking filthy i kicked the door in well by this time i'm 16 and uh you know i've had 100 street fights you yeah. know what i mean so um so i've run straight in i got kicked him out of the bed and i, I flogged him and then i uh Unfortunately for him, I uh, I stabbed him with a barbecue fork in the chest. Yeah, and uh, anyway, I broke his jaw, his ribs, uh, punched his fucking lung, all that sort of stuff. He went to uh, Ride Hospital. He never gave me up, which I'll give him 100 points for that. But mm. he was an old war soldier, so he knew the rules. Yeah, right. And uh, anyway, uh, and I was brought up that way, not to fucking rat, not to talk. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. And... Uh, it's only now that I've pulled out of the life and around dead that I even do it. Mm. But um, otherwise, I never would have spoken about anything. Yeah. But so I guess that sort of living pushed me onto the streets, trying to keep out of home. I started running with a street gang. Yep. 
uh, we were called the Epping Apprentices. Oh, yeah. And uh, there was probably about 50 of us in it. We are all Sharpies. Mm-hmm. Those days, you know, it meant you had the short hair, we used to have three-quarter coats, you know. I mean, we had the razors in the peak like the Peaky Blinders. Oh, really? In the Andy Caps, yeah. Yeah, right. <laughs> and uh, we'd pull them out and just fucking slice them up. <laughs> God. Um, you know, I mean, that's how we started. But out of that big crew, there was probably only about eight or ten of us that went out of a night and started knocking off stuff. So I always tried to be a little bit ahead of myself and just say, well, I'm not busting into houses, not unless there's a fucking big quid there. Mm. Uh, I didn't want to do house bus and steal off some poor bastard and steal his telly. Yeah. So, you know, I'd break into factories, I'd break into warehouses, and I learned from all the blokes how to cut safes, and I did my first home robbery by the time I was 15. Wow. So, you know, that sort of led me along that path. But the only thing in my whole life I ever got pinched for was 99% of the time was violence. Yeah. You know? Yep. Uh, the other things I could get away with, I mean, I slung plenty of times to the police, the corrupt police, to uh, lessen the blow or, you know, I mm. might have had to have gone to prison but I only got a small sentence. Yep. And uh, I escaped the net for a long time until I ended up wounding a police prosecutor. Yeah. And I uh, got eight years for that, but they tried to get me life. And uh, But he'd um, run around and said the wrong thing and reckoned that I'd given him up to internal affairs about a stolen Mercedes-Benz he was driving that was given to him by another gang. Well, as it turned out, it was a policeman and his de facto wife that did it, but he wore the brunt of my anger. Yep. And uh, and I said to him, you're not a fucking koala bear, protected species. Mm. And I, um, so I stabbed him in the guts and then I stabbed him in the throat, cut his throat. Christ. And uh, it was only that the judge said, you know, these two blokes are meeting down in a laneway, one a well-known underworld figure and the other one a head police prosecutor in the city. Mm. But see, all these people were part of our circle. They were part of our corruption. They were part of, you know, if you got pinched for a, a driving charge, you know, I'd, uh, I'd just go and front him. And then I'd just say, uh, listen, mate, I've got a friend of mine. He's had three DUIs. He needs to, he'll go to jail this time. Mm. Uh, can you get him through the break? He said, yeah, it'll cost him 20000 So we'd put fucking 30 or 20, 40 on it mm. and come back to you and say, that's what it's going to cost you. <laughs> but you'll only get, you know, you'll get a bond. It'll be a first offence. Uh, everything else will disappear. Wow. Uh, that's that, how we got it done. Yeah, and that's how and, it worked uh, back yeah, then, that's hey? that's how it worked. Mm. So we didn't need big gangs. Because we had that, that power behind us. We had the corrupt police, we had magistrates on side, we had barbecues with them, judges, and into the politicians, and way up to the top, to at least the assistant commissioner of police. Yeah, wow. I was going to ask you, that, that's just watching your facial expressions, you're fully living it again, aren't you? Every time yeah, you, I always do, yeah. It's like you're right, it's taking me and back I into don't the ever picture. I forget anything, you know what I mean? Like, uh, that, that life to me is just a... Mm a movie reel going around in my head. I mean, people have said to me, geez, you've done plenty of podcasts, mate, and you don't ever waver from what you've said before. I said, no, that's because I'm telling the truth. Yeah, that's right. You know, I I don't have to sit here like Chopper Reed and start fucking (laughs) making up stories. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. You know, that's not my fucking go, so. Yeah, yeah. I just tell it how it is and how it was. Yeah, I know, mate. It's it's, it's great. I was going to say to you too, um, you said you were really powerful. You had a lot of backing and that sort of stuff. How how do you orchestrate that type of backing? Like, you know, what, do you just go and approach people and tell them you're going to offer them money and do this for me, or do you...? No, 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 they they virtually... Well, my, my partner in crime in, that I met in prison was Arthur Stanley Nettie Smith, one of Australia's most notorious gangsters. And he is, yeah. He, uh, you know, alleged fucking assassin or... Serial killer, which is a load of bullshit, but he, um, I met him in the can, giant of a man. They said he could fight like a thrashing machine. He was a big, fit, raw bone bloke, about six foot five, and uh, I met him in the can. I didn't have much to do with him in there. He kept say hello. Fucking, uh, he watched me do boxing in the yard there at Parramatta Jail. He was serving time for rape at the time. Him and a mate of his, Bobby Chapman, and uh, I uh, was in there for assault and three Commonwealth police. Uh, one I belted with a rock and gave his fucking face in. Mm. And uh, as it turned out, they were up to no good. And I got the right barrister, and I only got a small sentence, you know. So 
Well, when I say small, I did two and a half years, so yeah. it was pretty good for the offence, I guess. But I met him in there, and then 1976, I walked into the Grosvenor Hotel on uh, Parramatta Road, and uh, he was at the bar. And uh, they used to have all them Sheila standing up on the bar doing the lingerie lunches and things like that. Mm. So pretty popular pub for that sort of thing, so in those days. And uh, so I just went and up, went up and said hello, and uh, from that day we sort of... Uh, started running you know there was a lot of rumors floating around about him then that you know he'd roll over on his mate his mate got 13 and a half years and he'd beat the charge i said well how'd you do that and he said well i just paid the police but what really happened in the end and it took me a long time to find these out like years roger rogerson the detective who he started to inform for he actually got up in court on his behalf and gave evidence on his behalf yeah right all right so <laughs> what was ever said in that court case i'll, I'll never know but you know naturally he would have had to have said this man works for me and uh, mm. you know he's a prized informant yeah uh, otherwise he wouldn't have walked out of the charges no that's right and uh, detectives don't give evidence on your behalf let me tell you anyway so he got out and i you know i queried it and i quizzed it but because i knew him was run you know and i thought well what well, can you pay him all the time he said yeah 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 we can pay him no matter what we do. I said, all right. So at the time, he had no gang. And when I met him, he, he didn't have much money at all. He was probably earning, say, $1,300 a week in 1976, yep. right? And, uh, you know, he'd been involved in a couple of things, a couple of drug imports and uh, things like that, but that had all gone backwards. Mm. And uh, people had got caught and he ended up in jail until 1980, I think. And then... Only for, uh, oh, I think, two years he had to do his parole and then he, he took the parole to court and, and beat it. Yep. But um, in the end, I said, listen, you haven't got a gang, so if you've got all this fucking power with the police, I'll put the gang together. Yeah, right. So I ran around and found blokes that I knew were willing and, you know, had killed before and um, were willing at armed robberies. I mean, if we're going to play top of the scale here, I mean, we're going up against the McPherson gang. So the McPherson gang was the older gang run by Leonard, Lenny McPherson, Stan the Manstrift, George Freeman, blokes of that notoriety. Mm-hmm. So, but they were at the end of their tether because, you know, everything that they used to do, the illegal gambling and everything, had now become legal. Mm. And, uh, you know, prostitution, e- everything they did. Yeah. So... George went out on his own way. Lenny still had a couple of clubs up across. And Stan, the man, was the only one who moved on and got into the drug world. You know, importing hashish by the four or five tonne or something. Christ. So he was the only smart one amongst them that moved on. And they didn't ever want to play in the drug game. Mm. Because they were the real old school. Yeah. So, you know, there's been bullshit rumours running around. They were involved in the heroin trade and that's all crap. Right. So the heroin then came in. In the early late 70s and we got into it the end of that we got into the heroin we did the armed hold-ups we well we're talking armored trucks we're talking major payrolls but you know i'd been doing them even before i got with ned so i'd had a bit of practice at it and, and i was always the organizer i'd organize crimes yep i'd put them together i'd do the homework yep. and ned would get the help if we needed it. Yeah, yeah. Now, we didn't pay them every time we did a crime. No. You know, but if they, they got onto it and got a bit of a smell, it was us, well, we'd just throw them a bone. Mm-hmm. 10% or something. Yep. And that's how it just rolled, mate. It just rolled like that for years and years until um, jealousy and greed and fucking egos all got involved. And, um, and Christopher Dale Flannery moved up here from Melbourne, who was a known hitman that we nicknamed Renicule. Yep. And... Uh, he tried to take over up here. Well, he thought just by killing everyone was going to be his way out of it. Right. Well, uh, you know, you've got to have a little bit more than that. You've got to have some fucking brains to go along with it to mm. organise your fucking things you're going to do. Yep. And uh, so he caused more trouble here than anyone's ever fucking caused. Yeah, right. And I was involved in many conversations, you know, even when they were charged over the... Well, they tried to be charged. Uh, Rogerson got charged over the shooting of Michael Drury that he allegedly bribed him, and then Christopher Dale Flannery was hired by a bloke called Alan Williams, uh, who came from Melbourne, and uh, they paid him a massive amount of money to get rid of Michael Drury over a drug charge that this Alan Williams was on. Mm. And I was involved in those conversations, and I told them they were a pack of fucking imbeciles for even 
contemplating it, and I even got up net over it. I said, why would you want to go hop into bed with this bloke now mm. who, who's a backstabber and a fucking shoot you in the back, right? And that's what he was known as, a toe cutter, you know, someone that would fucking grass you, you know, mm. stick you in the fucking back, fucking give you up, fuck yeah. it. And that was his reputation. We were warned heaps of times, and I told Ned, keep away from him. But he wanted to bring him in. He thought he could utilise him. He always liked to have someone he could utilise, Ned. Yeah, right. So he, he knew he couldn't get it with me, so mm. he tried someone else. Yeah. And so it just sort of moved from there. He created this chaos, and then that chaos created more chaos because I stood up against it all to fucking shut it down because it was not good for business. Yeah, for sure. You know, and the house of cards were going to come tumbling down that we'd build up. Mm-hmm. So this is in the 80s, you know, in the mid-80s. But, um, you know, it uh, just all exploded and then next minute they tried the. So there was attempts upon my life to get rid of me then. Yeah, so this was my next. This is something I was really curious about today. Yeah. So, did you ever fear or, or have um, knowledge that maybe you're you were going down? You were I, going I always knew I was going down. Once I stood up and said my fucking piece, yep. I could tell by the demeanour, like that. There's something that we used to call reading the room. I could walk into a room and fucking just read it. Yep. You could see someone nudge someone, someone yeah. tap each other's foot. Uh-huh. You know what I mean? You know they're having a mag about you. Yeah, right. right yep. And you can tell by their response to you in regards to things that something's not right. So next minute there was about four attempts on me. Ned Smith was never one of them that tried to let go of me. It was always someone else. Yep. And uh, I got shot in 1981, on the 12th of June 1981 at North Sydney by the police because I threatened an undercover copper and I told him I'd kill him. Yep. And uh, I'd seen this bloke operating with other crimps, so I thought he was sweet. Mm. And unfortunately, he was an undercover copper. Anyway, I threatened his life and he was wired up. So the word came from the top of the police force to kill me on site. Shit. And that was midday, right at lunchtime in Mount Street, North Sydney. Yeah, right. And yet not one witness ever turned up in court. <laughs> so, you know, so they, laid it, they threw a gun into the car. I already had a gun in the car. Yep. And uh, the uh, undercover bloke ran away, mm-hmm. and when I tried to get out, they blocked me. They all just surrounded me with shotguns and just snuck up the side of me and ploughed it straight through the window while I threw my hands up on my face and threw my head back. Yeah, right. And uh, the pellets went through the top of my head and my eye, and anyway, they took me to Royal and Allshore Hospital. They pulled the pellets out, and then I was sent to Long Bay Hospital. And then, you know, when I got out... Someone did an attempt on Ned's life. Now, this is before all the drama starts with Flannery. Yep. So, when I get out, uh, Ned's already been shot at by uh, this uh, gang Barry McCann ran. Yep. And he wasn't really a fucking gangster, but he'd been involved in illegal gambling, and he still had a place up the cross, and he paid organised crime. He paid McPherson to still operate. And so, you know, so... They weren't organised crime, but they had a big crew around them because mm. they got into the drug trade and they tried to compete. Well, that was going to be the worst thing they did because yeah. we were going to take them on and, you know, everyone in our gang would take out a play. Yep. Everyone. Yep. And um, so they were bucking their heads against the wall. So what happened, and this is when I first realised that this bloke, you know, my mate, this notorious Arthur Stanley Nettie Smith, was not made out to what he was supposed to be. Mm. And uh, so I said, well, right out. Well, I'm just got out of the can. I'm not going to be walking around with you and then get shot at like your last mate did because when they tried to kill him, they actually shot his mate. Oh, yeah, so right. I said, that's not going to happen to me. No way. Right? So yeah. either we back up now and uh, and just get into him. And he said, um, oh, you know, they're friends with McPherson. And I said, I couldn't give a fuck. Mm. You know, so I said, let's go. So... Anyway, we went over and, uh, you know, I did the homework again. Yeah. Located the bloke. Yep. And uh, anyway, when the time come to, to uh, square up, I said, well, you hit him and I'll back you up. Anyone else jumps up? Because we knew there was about five or six blokes there all playing cards. Yep. And I said, well, um, I'll fucking back you up. So anyone else jumps up, well, I'll cop it. Mm. So as we get up into the place, go into the door, I look behind he took off like an antelope up the road. Yeah, wow, you're kidding me. No, left me fucking posted. He ran 100 yards up the road 
and then literally running. He run, mate. He ran away. And I mean run. Yeah, right. I can handle that. (laughs) And uh, I said, too fucking late. I walked straight in the door, went, did what I had to do. I shot the bloke a few times in the head. Yeah. And uh, elsewhere. I walked out and uh, got up the road and... uh, we got in the car, and as we are driving along the car, there was a light on in the car. There was another bloke driving it, and I smashed the light. Mm. And I said, yeah, fucking shit yourself. You fucking let me down, you know. Yeah. Oh, no, there was people coming, he said. So I went up the... said, you yeah. fucking weak dog. Yeah, right? yeah. So I was filthy on him from that day, and I promised myself, I'm never going in the door first again. Yeah. I was always willing to put on the Guernsey. Yeah, right? for sure. But uh, And I would over those second sort of thing. Mm. But when I realised that he virtually used me as the cannon fighter, he's not the shooter. He's never shot a bloke. I ran with him for 10 years, never shot anybody. Yeah, right. right? But he got sentenced to murder over Harvey Jones that he shot him with a the magnum. Mm. He never shot him. I know who shot him. But, mm-hmm. you know, I'll take that to my grave with me. <laughs> and um, I'm well aware who it was because I was in the gang. I lived on the inside. And yep. if you live on the inside, you know the fucking facts. Yep. So he had this massive reputation that, you know, he was this mad assassin. Yet, in saying that, he was behind the goalpost many times with a lot of people who got murdered. Right. Like, so he might have played a role. Mm. Like the killing of Sally in Huckstep, let's say. The prostitute. Right. She'd uh, been talking out of school and allegedly uh, uh, taping other people and the police and they wandered around the road, and, uh, which wouldn't surprise me because she'd done it before. Mm. So next minute uh, she was gone. and uh, But what happened, Ned was the one who choked her. He put her in the sleeper hold. He was always good at the sleeper hold. He had big arms up here and yeah. he put his hand around and just... Squeezing, they go out like a light. Well, when they did, she scratched his face. Yeah, right. And then the other bloke who was with him, I won't say who that was, mm-hmm. and uh, he carted her off into the pond, and he stood out on her until she drowned. So Ugh. he was the one who killed her, not Ned. Nah. Ned knocked her out. Yep. Now, there was another woman called, her nickname was Squeaky. Her name was Lynn Crawford, I think, Lynn Woodward. And... She'd been taping the police, did the same thing. So she was lured by Ned and another mate of his murdered her and Ned actually gave evidence against that bloke wow, many huh? years later at the National Crime Authority after the ICAC wouldn't help him and let him out early out of jail. Yep. So this was the sort of treacherous nature of the bloke, mm, you know, uh, mm. and, he, and he thrived off it. And if you were coming up or he started, you know, I'd build a real big house in Alibana he lived in a weatherboard house in Campbell Street in Warner's Bay and um, he started to get his nose out of joint. So then he, he bought another place and he thought, well, I'm trying to take over. I had nothing to do with that. I just bought me out. <laughs> yeah, right. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, and, yeah. Um, so it sort of went a little bit AWOL from there and I could see little glitches in it and then a few attempts on my life happened and, and at first I thought it was another gang but then I worked out that it was... Flannery, who'd started to get into our company, and um, uh, he shot me in the leg. So I rolled over the top of the... I actually jumped over the bond of their car. They overshot their mark. Right. Were trying to get me. I run over the bond of the car, jumped up on the roof of this restaurant, threw myself up like that way on the guttering. Yeah. And as I was going up, they'd come out and sat on the windowsill of the car, the rear end, and boom, 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 up the wall with the thing and smashed into my leg. Yeah, right. So I just rolled across the roof, got on the other side and uh, got out of sight. They were gone. I went and seen Dr. Nick Paldos, who's now dead. Yep. And uh, he, he uh, fixed it up for me. Always got to have someone sweet like that. Yeah, fuck no. <laughs> and uh, and uh, so then it all started. So, you know, then Flannery tried to kill me over Michael Drury because Drury never died. And so they needed a scapegoat. Yep. So when they shot him, it was fucking ridiculous. You know, Michael Drury just knocked back a deal. He just said, no, I'm not fucking getting involved in that. So he knocked back a deal. So what had happened then, everyone says, well, Chris Fanley was driven there by Roger Rogerson in a police car. And then he got out and went over the window and shot Michael Drury through the fucking window. Well, that's not the fucking truth. Right. You know, the truth is that it was a bloke called Laurie Prendergast, who's now deceased and been missing since August uh, about 86 or 87. Never found. Only a few months after um, Christopher Dale Flannery disappeared, which is the 9th of May, 86. Mm-hmm. And um, 
he disappeared a couple of months later because they were involved in the shooting of the policeman and they'd caused so much havoc up here. They'd threatened to murder George Freeman. They tried to take over him and all they had was, was gambling stuff at the time, you yeah. know, like as big SP operation. So mm. I didn't understand his mentality and I told him so at a meeting one day. That was another thing to put a nail in the mick of him. Yeah. So... At the end of that, when they couldn't get rid of me, and they tried, they tried to murder me in the middle of the city with the police. The police were involved, and uh, the police blocked the way, and then they tried to jump out the back of the panel van mm. and uh, give it to me. And uh, But I jerried, and uh, I went up a one-way street, Castle Ray Street in the city, on a Saturday afternoon, and just dodged all the buses and, and went straight back to where Ned was, who'd set me up with this gun yeah, yeah, right. to take to a bloke. Mm. But he said all of a sudden he had something to do. So I said, I'll run up there. Mm. Even while I was still with him, people scratch their head and they say, well, why were you with him after you know all these sneaky things are going down? I said, because I always keep my enemies close. Yeah. If I let them know that I know, right, I always just played fucking dumb to it. Yeah, okay. Right? Mm. But I was always looking for my chance. So... When that all happened, they tried and then they missed me and I trapped them all together. The police, Flannery, Prendergast, Ned Smith all together yep. after they tried to murder me that day. So you lined them all up? Yeah, I lined them all up. I, I had them in the street, Bulwara Road in Oldermo. Yeah. And I was sitting in one of the tenement houses after I'd already confronted Ned. Yep. And I said I just got tried to get kidnapped or murdered one of the fuck another. Mm-hmm. Right? And I knew it was, I was going to get knocked and go in the back of the panel van. And the police was going to go around the drive. But the gun that I had in my car was actually the gun that shot Michael Drury. Right. Right? So that gun also killed three other people. So I would have gone down for three of the gambling yeah, murders. Jesus. Plus the copper. So I never would have got out of jail. Right? Right. That would have been the biggest stitch-up of all time. 100%. But uh, anyway, I got through the break because, you know, I've had this incredible awareness, thank fuck, in my head, you know, and I just cottoned onto it. And I, I knew there was something not right. So anyway, I got through the break there, but when I sprung them all together, that was the store that broke the camel's back, and I said, right, well, now I'm fucking into it. So I left his company, and uh, I started up my own fucking team of uh, robbers, mm-hmm. and, uh, you know, we got into everything, but uh, and we were very good at what we did. Uh, we got arrested for a few things and uh, never convicted, but um, I then said, well, fucking Smith's going, so... I went over to Roselle to the Three Weeds Hotel and I laid in a garden bed with a big 357 chrome magnum. Jesus, mate. <laughs> and I laid there with it on me chest, waiting for him to come out because I knew he'd hop in the passenger side. Is this daylight? Or, or this is the in the night. Yep. And, uh, and I had another bloke waiting down the road for me mm. to go. And uh, I, he came out of the pub and I knew his girlfriend to drive because he was pissed. Mm-hmm. So as he opens up the side door, I go to sit up and fucking just give it to him and a bull wagon pulled up on the corner full of detectives and they oh. yelled out, hey Ned, are you going to the new club in Darling Street? He said, yeah, that's where we're going now. He said, I oh, will follow you down. Oh, well, well, he fucking got through the break, so. Fuck. You know, so I had to lay down, wait, lay went on fucking pumping with a dream <laughs> on you, you know what I mean? <laughs> anyway, I got down to me mate and I said, head down to the fucking club. So we go down to this fucking new club. And I sat off him for an hour and a half. Anyway, I ended up walking across the road with a wig on and I pulled out the bouncer. I said, Ray, come here. And he, he didn't recognise me. He walked in. He said, oh, what do you want, mate? I said, Ray, it's me, Tabba. And he went, oh, fuck, mate. What, what, what's wrong? I said, go and get Ned and pull him up to the bar. I said, and get him away from them detectives. Otherwise, I'm going to have to fucking run in there and fucking give it to him there, right? Yeah. And they went, oh, don't fucking do that to me, mate. He was fucking horrified. Yeah. You know what I mean, so... I couldn't fucking put him in that position, so I said, all right, just fucking, just don't fucking give me up, yep. right? And I knew he wouldn't. He was solid as a rock, so I walked over and sat in the car and waited with this mate of mine, and when, he must have jerried something was on. When he walked out, he got three women he was with to all walk around him. Oh, you're kidding. And he walked yeah, out right. like he was using them as smother mm. and looking at the car because they had Melbourne number plates on it. Oh, right. right. Yeah. So he was paranoid. It was either the feds or was gangsters from yep. Melbourne or yep. whatever. Right. So all me because I'd had an argument with him prior. So anyway, so then I, I just left his company altogether, did my own thing for uh, another seven or eight years. 
and then I wounded this police prosecutor who I already told you about and what happened there. Mm. Just before I was released in 1997, this is about the 14th attempt, uh, about the maybe the 10th attempt I've had on my life by then. I've got two weeks to go, I'm out on works release. I'm at the Rothbury Train Museum at uh, Rothbury yep. in the uh, Hunter Valley and uh, the prison officer drops me off at the gate. I walk into the property, it's on about 100 acres and it's just old trains and we're redoing them. Some of the old Granville train, disaster trains, things like that, yep. big locomotives, you know, just getting the rust off them, shit like that. It was just a intervene me back into the society mm. <laughs> you know as a normal human yep so instead of a um next minute two blokes just popped up uh, camouflage gear on little short bloke and a real big solid bloke and they just started firing fucking bullets at me well it's funny i'd, I'd already had a massive dream like I'm, i've always had this spiritual awareness in me yeah i just see things i either know things or hear things i have visions of things and if I dream about snakes, I know it's an enemy. Mm-hmm. So I dreamt, and I knew the suburb was Piermont. Yep. And I saw this big snake up a drain, like an anaconda. Right. All colours, right? Yeah, yeah. And I'm pulling it out, and as it's coming out, it's getting bigger, bigger, oh, bigger. Oh. And then it goes, shoo, shoo. Tries to bite me twice, but it misses me. Yeah, right, eh? Right. Fuck. So... My mother used to be very psychic, and she said, snakes mean enemies, mm. and and I've woke up screaming when I was a kid, you know, and she'd say, what were you dreaming about? I said, I fell into a pit of snakes. She said, you're going to have a lot of enemies. Did they bite you? I said, no, none of them bit me. She said, you'll always be all right. Yeah, right. That's what my mother told me. And so far, you know, I've been shot in the head, I've been shot in the fucking leg, they you know, I've been you. stabbed, I've been baseball battered, I've been, <laughs> you know... And uh, still here to fight the day. Yeah, yeah. But uh, at the end of that, as I say, that stabbing thing, I went out. The other gang was dispersed. They were dead. Uh, one went on witness protection, tried to give me up. Yeah. And uh, he had no luck. And uh, he was, uh, you know, I could have bought him on sucking a court of law anyway. But um, the other one died. Well, they said he died of a heroin overdose. So I didn't ever run around with anyone who was a junkie. No, right. Ever. And it was a no-no in our gangs. When you're in organised crime, that no one gets on the gear. Yeah, right. Flannery used to, but yeah. he, he wasn't really our fucking t- team. Mm. But Ned wanted him to be, mm. and virtually put him in the circle. And but uh, at the end of the day, they disappeared. Fucking, uh, you know, Ned got fucking sentenced to um, uh, over a murder. He stabbed a bloke in um, Coogee Bay, a tow truck driver called Ronnie Flavelle, and uh, and he did that. He killed him, and he killed another bloke called Mark Johnson. Yeah. That's the only two blokes he's ever killed. Right. And they all, th- everyone thinks, you know, he's killed fucking 14, 15 people. Fucking crap. Mm. You know, behind the scenes, like the old western suburbs, get goal, you know, yeah, waiting yeah. for the ball to get kicked over. <laughs> you know, um, you know, behind the goalposts. That's where he liked to play. Yep. And he was good at it. He was very manipulative. I've got to give him that. Mm. But, uh, um, yeah, good style, charismatic, good fun to go out with. Yep. Ordinary at doing stuff with. Because uh, he was too big and I used to say, just fucking stay home. Yeah, yeah. You know, we'll do it. Yep. And you'll still get your cut. Yep. Just, you know, as long as we need, if you need the fucking jack or we get into trouble, you've got to get us out of it. Yep. That's your fucking job. That's his part, yeah. So that's how it rolled for years. And then, then I went in my own way. I, I had my own little circle of jacks that I could use for armed robberies and things like that. So... But I made sure I never met them and paid them. Yeah, right. I, I yeah, gave right someone up. in my gang and they went and paid them. Yep. Because I was too high profile. Yep. Right? So, and I didn't trust them that fucking much. Mm. Right? Mm. You know, even though they'd helped us over the years and they'd done plenty of things, there were two plenty of fucking snakes among them. Yeah, You sure. know what I mean? Yep. And, uh, you know, cop's a cop and we were crooks. So, mm. Anyway, after that, uh, I got out in 97 and I run with Stan the Mansmith then, who was uh, Lenny McPherson's main hitter. Yep. And uh, killed 16 men. Very smart, intelligent fucking man, dangerous as fuck. Uh, if you looked at him, you'd just think he was an old bloke, uh, you know, out on the golf course with glasses. Yeah, right. And a very unassuming uh, little bloke, but, uh, oh, he could be fucking pretty nasty. Yeah. But... Um, 
He was, uh, him and I run together for 13 years, him and another bloke called Stevie Morehouse. And uh, everyone thought he'd gone to God and uh, turned, well, he did get christened. But we were still committing crime, so, you know, he didn't ever care about not doing that. <laughs> and uh, I wouldn't have been running with him if we weren't doing crimes. Yeah. So, you know, well, and we earned good money and uh, we had some great times and probably the the best two blokes I've ever run with in that life, you know what I mean? Like yeah. Barra. One of the blokes who was in my team early, mm. and um, uh, and another bloke uh, who's a good friend of mine, uh, Leslie Mara, who used to play first grade for um, Balmain, yep. and uh, he played against for Australia as well. Uh, a yeah, good right. mate of mine still is to this day, as is the other bloke. Just just sitting here listening to you talk, I'm getting captivated in the stories. You feel like you're sort of back watching a movie, don't you? Yeah. Well, I always get a nod in my gut because I, I go back through it. Yeah, right. You know what I mean? Yep. And there's so much more to it and behind the scenes. Of course. That, um, you know, and uh, I always feel a bit churned up in the guts after I talk about shit. But, um, but you know, I get it out and... You know, and as I say, the only reason I do it today is because they're all fucking dead. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, and uh, that's why I called my book Last Man Standing. But for anyone wanting one, one now, I've uh, stopped selling them. So uh, because I believe I have a series deal, of which I've already signed an agreement to, and it's got to go a little bit further yet. So I won't, I can't give out any any more information on that at this stage. So. Mate, isn't it? That's unreal. And, uh, it should happen, but it looks, it looks yeah. pretty positive. So. Yeah, yeah. Well, I was going to ask you that uh, a bit later. So who would have thought, you know, running around the streets and doing everything you've done and dodging all the bullets and all that sort of stuff, you're now about to enter possibly in a, in a TV sort of Yeah, that's right. Series. Like, it's crazy yeah. to think. Well, it's funny, you know, but even when I was a kid, as I said, I've always had this psychic sort of feeling about myself. And I, mm. I remember saying to a bloke one day, I said, I feel like my life's a movie. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And and I always remember a bloke saying one day, whatever part you're given in life, learn to play it well. Yep. And so, you know, I put a lot of fucking homework into what I did. Mm. You know? And that's why I never, ever got arrested for him. Yeah. And people will say, oh, well, he was probably paying the cost. Uh, no. Mm. You know, every now and then I might if I had a bad spot to get out of. But yeah. You know, that had nothing to do with them, mate. There was still other... We didn't have every copper in the fucking police force, sweet. There was no. a few. We're talking a fucking handful. When Ned got up in the ICAC, he gave up information against 94 police. He wouldn't have known 19. Yeah. <laughs> so it just goes to show that the ICAC were actually helping him, you know, name, name coppers. Yeah, right. You know, and for all the information that he gave, uh, he got up... I was, I was... Kept in solitary confinement for two years, hoping that I'd back up Ned and say, yeah, I've seen him pay the police or I've paid him personally. Or yep. I never said that. Yep. And so the rumours are floating around the underworld, you know, oh, they're going to fucking grass on... Well, Ned was. Yeah, yeah. Right? And uh, two and a half years later, they put me up in the witness box and um, I was ejected after one and a half minutes. Yeah, right. And that was, the, that, was the, <laughs> that was the headlines the next day because they fabricated my statement. Yeah. So when I was called to the uh, Crime Commission, the Royal Commission, mm. the uh, Justice, was it Stewart Commission or the Wood Commission? The Wood Commission. He said to me, or Wood, Wood, one of them, he said in 94, they, they took me in a room downstairs and they, they asked me questions about these armed robberies, armoured van robberies in Queensland. I said, got no idea. I said, listen, if you want to get involved in investigating corruption... And well, here's my statements, here's my barrister from the ICAC, we'll charge them. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> right, another government body, how about that? Well, that was the end of it, they never fucking called me again. <laughs> yeah, so, good. You know, played in my favour and um, and I'd take them to task, as I said in my book, any day of the week, yeah. on TV, live, Fuck. in court, I don't care, because <laughs> I got the transcript, I, I made a tape-recorded interview, Yeah, right. so I know exactly what was said, Yeah, you yeah. know what I mean? So, yeah. I can walk around with my head held high. Yeah. And I, I actually remember one day I was with uh, Stan the Man Smith and the gang that I was running with then. And uh, we're at uh, the old Balmain Leagues Club and there was a big do on there and a mate of ours who is now a funeral director used to be in the tow, tow truck 
industry. Yep. So he knew a lot of the police and all that, and he put on this big benefit for some copper he was getting, or a copper or a friend of his or something. And all, or Anyway, all these cops turned up there and with their wives and me and Stan and all our crew we were over here, separate table, and, and uh, next minute a couple of their wives walked out of me, wrapped their arms around me, and just started crying and said, thank you for not giving up my husband. Yeah, well. You know what I mean? So, look, the old rules were if you give up the cops, you know, I don't mind fucking verbal on the copper or verbal B, yeah. fabricated, whatever it is against me, I'll stick it up and tell the best lie I can. Yep. But, um, you know, I'm not going to uh, uh, nominate the fucking ones that really help me. Yeah, for sure. You know what I mean? Yep. So somebody might have fabricated me, I might have used his name. Yeah. You know what I mean? <laughs> like just to put the fucking heat back on him and see how he likes it. Yeah, yeah. But, um, you know, that's all I've ever done and, uh, you know, I've stayed staunch all my life and uh, that's the way I roll. Yep. And, uh, you know, and after 22 attempts on my life, 20, well, 20, and then one probably not that fucking long ago, I knew there was going to be one. What, but, up, uh, up here in Newcastle? Yeah, no, 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 down in Sydney it was going to take place at a yep. friend of mine's place. And uh, we jerry to it, me and him. And uh, so I just said, if it happens a fucking again, I'm fucking, I'm going on with it. Yep. You know what I mean? I, I'm a little bit over this fucking clown. But, uh, you know, the, the only reason that I, I allow them to even fucking live this long, and I've had him in my sights a few times, but... The, the reason I did is because he had the Crime Commission on site. Mm-hmm. And uh, and I knew that he went down, I was gone. Yep. You know what I mean? So not only the Crime Commission, he had state police, and, uh, and to this day he still got them on site. So I, I'd rather just let sleeping dogs lie yep. and, uh, and just fucking... But if they let go at me, I know who they are. Mm-hmm. I've always known where they come from, all yep. the people involved. I, I do my homework. Mm. And... Uh, let them live their life and I'll live mine, but don't fucking intervene with it again. Yeah, that's, you know what that's I mean? it. I, I, you, know, you can only take so much. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, you know, I've been smart enough to avoid it all. And as I said, that awareness, that fucking, I don't know where it comes from, mate, but it's uh, definitely a fucking divine intelligence that tells me. I always know. I, I've always known all my life mm. when things are going to happen and I avoid things or, and I know things are going to happen. It's like if I go to the pub sometimes, people will say, how the fuck to pick them horses? I say, because it just fucking come to me. Yeah, it's right. not People call it a gut feeling. It's not come from your consciousness. Mm. You know what I mean? It's, what, what days do you go there, just quickly? I might come with you. Uh, I don't know. <laughs> you know but uh, even the Quinellas and the Exactors I'd pick, I'd put them in the right yeah, order. Yeah, I've right. even picked the first four in perfect order. Goodness but me. I, they've got to come to me. Yeah. If I get down there and just follow one punt after another, I do no good. Yeah, I right. always fall on my heart. Mm-hmm. But, you know, when, when things come to me like that, I take fucking notice of it. Mm. One day I bought a Kino ticket and I just said, um, oh, just a second, um, I was driving past, just walked me dogs and I was driving past the pub on the way home and I said, go and buy a lottery ticket. Just come to me like a yeah. man of voice. Right. So I pulled up, walked in, bought it, got nine numbers out of ten. Oh, mate. You know, and I went, oh, oh mate. mate. Yeah. Like, anyway, I still want to quit. Wow. Uh, a few grand and uh, we're very happy about it, but... Um, you know, just one more. Like, they could, they could have at least given me 100,000. Yeah. Know, one off about 3.6 million or something. So, anyway, that's the way it rolls. Yeah, yeah. But, um, mate, you know, I'm still glad to be here. I'm doing different things, doing a bit of modelling. I'm doing a oh, little yeah. bit of, I've just done some for uh, G-Dup. Oh, clothing, mate. Uh, very good yeah, clothes. Good. Anyone wants some, go and get them. Yeah, Jeep, mate. And, I don't uh, think you need to promote them too much. They're everywhere, aren't oh, they, Oh, yeah, no, they are. And a great company. Great yeah. clothes. Fucking Oh, mate, this stuff's amazing. Stuff. I actually walked out with one of their watches on the other day. It was worth a fucking big quid. Did you mean to walk out, mate, or just uh, this, No, I just said, I'll have it so hard, mate. Look, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's funny. I, I, I get into the G'd up gear too when I can afford it, and um, it, it feels a bit strange. you got all these 15, 16 hours walking around, and I'm yeah, 42 yeah, walking yeah, around. I yeah, think, yeah, I know. Am, I, am I going too far trying uh, to look well, like I mean, I, you know, I'll wear it myself, you know, at the end of the day, you're as young as you feel. Like, well, that's true too. I, you know, I'm 71, and I, I, and I, I, I might fucking look at it, but I'm, um, I don't feel any different than I did when I was 40. Yeah? No, I mean, so I've got a bit of hope. around, and I mean, I had a fight at 65 yeah. for the Australian title against yeah. a 42 year old. Did yeah. you? Yeah. Yeah, right. At uh, Marrickville Town Hall, mm-hmm. and uh, 
got to that, that main fight and um, he was the current middleweight champion, had been, and um, he'd gone up a little bit in weight, so I thought oh, he might have, have a little bit of lack of condition. I'll, yeah, I'll put my hand up for him, so I did. At 65. Really? So I'd already been training blokes to fight, so I was pretty fit. Mm. So uh, anyway, I come out and I trapped him, got him right in my corner where I wanted him, hit him with a beautiful straight left, just got up on me toe to snap me right in and me salute muscle snap, <laughs> which is your standing muscle. Yep, yep. And it just snapped, it oh, snapped that hard, it tore off me bone and fractured me leg. Fuck. So I uh, <laughs> ended up flying backwards and going, what the fuck, he hadn't even hit me. Yeah. And hit the ropes and then he started to fucking follow me and, oh, and no. load up on oh, me, you no. know, on so I ended up on the deck and then... Anyway, when I got out, I said to him, mate, the accolades are yours tonight. Oh, no, 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 they're not, mate. Yeah. But uh, I was fucking filthy, and I was nearly going to back up, but it took that long for this leg to heal, you know? Yeah, yeah. In the end, I just said, oh, no, get over it, silly old bastard. You know what I mean? You know, when it's in you, yeah. and you've had it in you all your life, and, you know, it's hard to fucking let go. <laughs> and that's the only training I ever do now. Like, I'll walk around in the morning, I'll do my push-ups, I'll do squats, mm-hmm. you know, I'll do the planks, yep. you know, instead of the sit-ups. And uh, that's, uh, that's all I know to do at 71. I'm, yeah. You know, but I'm, you know, my blood pressure's great, my heart's great, and yeah. you know, so. Yeah, good stuff. Are you the owner of a company or in management? Do you want to motivate your team, aid their performance, establish well-being, and accelerate your bottom line? Sign up as a team and reap the benefits. Email contact at loveyourmindaustralia.com.au with the subject, help my team today. Oh, so I was going to ask you, so with obviously with my company, Love Your Mind Australia. Oh, um, yeah, yeah, I've, re- I've heard about that. It seems to going pretty good. It, it is. It is actually starting to really kick off, mate. And, um, yeah, well, that's a good thing, mate. Yeah. Because yep. a lot of people struggling out there, mate. 100%, mate. And um, it's been the best thing I've done. It, it's just taken me a while to sort of get it off the ground. And I think it's because I was trying to perfect it and try and get the right... The, the right substance around what I was teaching for too long and a mate said to me recently he said um, if you spend too much time perfecting this toddy you're never going to get out of the blocks yeah so, 100% and, and I just I went home that day and I went you know like I'm driving a truck through the day I'm doing disability at night I'm scratching my ass left right and centre to be a good dad husband etc yeah yeah exactly and I'm trying to get this off the ground and when he said that to me I thought you know what it's time to fucking get up and do something now and um and so that's why we're sort of we're, we're there, rocking yeah. and rolling today, mate. This, yeah. is, this is the sort of the reboot to get myself yeah. going. And well, I mean, you know, I've known that many fucking people that go through it. I mean, you know, I think about all the fucking shit I've been through in my life, and I think, and people say, "How oh, the fuck didn't you ever fucking?" Well, I said, "Well, I did get depressed. Mm. You know, I've been depressed my fucking self." But when, when major things happened to me, even as a kid, I was raped in the boys' home, you know, yeah, by right. prison officers. Yep, and. Um, I've just won a lawsuit against the state not long ago. Okay. So, but instead of going into depression or getting on the drugs or fucking alcohol or whatever, I just got fucking violent. Mm, mm. You know, it changed me whole demeanour. I went from a bloke who'd sit there and punch on with you to a bloke who'd punch on with you and then probably stab you or shoot you. <laughs> and that was the way it progressed in my life, and I fucking did. And I was, I mean, even Eddie Smith said in his own book how violent I was. Yeah. And, you know, I'd leave him for dead when it come to violence. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, fucking really hurting someone. And that, that, that don't make me a fucking tough guy or I'm fucking proud of it or anything like that, but I, I only did it against people I, I had to do it against. There were a couple of mugs that stuck their head up here and there and I had to hurt them badly. But, look, at the end of the day, the only thing, it was right near the end of when I was having attempts on my life after I got out of jail Yeah. by this same crew that tried for fucking 20 fucking, since 1997, so that'll tell you, 20 fucking five years or whatever it is. Mm. And... Um, I, start, I just went, fuck, and every day I was walking out of the house. I'd never say nothing to my wife. And I was living at Concord in Hospital Road, right where the hospital is. Yeah. And it's got massive big grounds, the hospital. So I used to walk that every morning with me little Jack Russell, Oscar, yeah. Oscar de La Hoya. <laughs> so I'd walk with him, but I did it deliberately. I did it deliberately to pull them out because I knew they had to do their homework on me to come to me. Yep. So I was never going to go to them 
and put myself out of my area mm -hmm. because then I wouldn't have a good excuse if I had to shoot them. Yeah, yeah. Right? Yep. So if they come into me, I shoot them in my area, they live in the eastern suburbs, I'm half fucking there. Halfway you know there, what yeah. I mean? So I'm not going to get fucking So you carry a piece with you Always. morning walk. Mate, I carried a piece, uh, you know, for 35 years every day in my fucking life. Yeah, right. And, and after when I had attempts, but, uh, you know, yeah, yeah, I don't today because, mm. you know, you get 100 fucking years for it these days. Yeah, oh, mate. And, uh, you know, think about it. You go, that fucking filthy doing. No, no. So, no. Um, and at the same time, I gave up the cigarettes. And I've been smoking since I was 12 years of age. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Maybe even 10. And I just fucking give it up. And that sort of threw me out of gear as well. Yeah, for sure. And then all of a sudden, I went into this fucking bad anxiety state. Mm. And uh, I'm paranoid about everyone. All of a sudden, when I'm not, I'm never usually like that. If I see someone, I just pretend I don't see them, but I, I'm watching them. Yeah. You know what I mean? Watching every move they make. So I watched them watch, and I, I was so fucking tired. All my life, I'd been so fucking wired up mm. for this life mm. that when I stopped it, it fucking hit me like a ton of bricks. A bit like a professional athlete who doesn't really know oh, how to train. Oh, fucking hundred percent. Yeah, you know, they don't know what they're going to do with their fucking life. Yeah, yeah. All of a sudden, you know, I went fuck. I'm bored stiff. I'm fucking. Yeah, you for know, sure. I'm driving around. I'm going for country drives. I got fucking tears coming out my yeah. eyes. I'm going. <laughs> what the fuck am I even doing this for? Like, what the fuck? Fucking hell. Yeah. So. I ended up going to see a bloke that my daughter told me about, and, and he did this thing called NET. Yeah, yep. And uh, NET is like a works on your subconscious. Is it right? where you follow the lights? Hey, where you follow the lights? No, no, way? not this one. They they might have new things today. Yeah, but it's like he just raises your arm, you ask questions, and then he'll ask you a certain question. He might go, "What happened to you at the age of one, two, three, five? Bent right next to me, round drops. Yeah, right. And you go, "Oh, um." Oh, that was the first time I saw my old man battering me mum, mm. right? Mm. And then my armour dropping, my armour dropping, you know? Wow, that's and insane. Like, and then he'd do something to you and put his thumb right up in the roof of your mouth. Yeah, right. And do all this stuff and tell you stuff, and then your arm wouldn't move when he'd ask you the same question. I mean, it was just Christ. fucking mind-blowing. Isn't it? And it was a, it's a, actually, that's what it works on your subconscious, yeah. right? So... All of a sudden, I just stopped fucking thinking about all that crap. Mm. I was fucking good as gold, and I just fucking went back doing the same thing, watching. I still do it today. I get up out of fucking bed, I fucking watch, I look, and I'm always at the right time, at the right place, when someone's going to fucking sneak me. Yeah? <laughs> you know? I always know. I always know when someone, if they're just coming to Dubai to have a look at me fucking house, or, mm. you know, doing a bit of surveillance, I get on them. Yeah, so right. I chase them. Yep. I've done it about three times yep. since I've been there in 15 years, right? Mm. And uh, and I've chased them and chased them and fucking, uh, they just fucking shit themselves. Yeah. Because, you know, they don't want to be on the fucking receiving end. They're always good at fucking sneak going you, but yep. they don't want to have a gun battle. No one wants nah. a gun to fight. No, nah, especially you know with you. I mean? But I didn't, I never give a fuck. I mean, if they pulled out a gun, I'd pull out one, I'd be fucking firing. I wouldn't be having to stand off. It's um, like seen in the movie. Yeah, yeah. Like, oh, don't, don't you fuck, uh, you know. Yeah, right. That wouldn't happen. No. So in the end, so I went through it, and uh, and it's a shit thing to go through. But I also learned another thing, and I tell people, and they always ask me this when I was doing my podcast, and not just my podcast, but my TikToks I used to do to sell my book at the time. Mm -hmm. They'd say, how do you keep so mentally strong through what you've been through? And I said, because I believe I am the master of my own mind. Yep. I'm yeah. I'm the only one who thinks in it. Mm -hmm. And your thoughts create things. If I'm going to sit around thinking shit all day about myself or about someone else, then that's what's going to come back to me. Yep. So, you know, what you give out, you get fucking back. Mate. And, you, and, and <laughs> it's a simple fucking technology, mate. It is. It is. You know what? You've, you've basically asked all my questions for me in these stories because you should be doing what I'm doing as well. Yeah. I mean, I teach the same thing about the power of the mind. Like, I'm, I'm, I'm not against medication and stuff like that because yeah, yeah. I know some people need it, it might, and that, but it might help you. Yeah. the greatest medication is what you just said you are the solo orchestra in your own mind and what you say you are you are if you can't get out of bed you don't that's right if you can get out of bed and set your alarm so i'm getting out of yeah. bed today and i'm going to train yeah. and then i'm going to go and have a coffee with my mate yeah. and then i'm going to eat a good good meal with my family or whatever yeah. you go and do that yeah and you're well, halfway there to I mean, mental health for the day get down the pole and the bike and he goes oh I can never pick a fucking winner. I go, well, 
You never will. You never will then, yeah. No one will. Yeah, that's what you fucking believe. Actually, fucking believe you will. That's what I've got to do this Saturday fucking then. You, you just got to fucking got to believe go. in yourself. Uh, well, that's, and that's it, mate. It's, um, it's exactly what it is. And it's the power of the mind and just standing up and boxing on in it. You've got oh, to, like fucking earth. No one, no one can I do it for good, you. Good You've boxing, got to do it yourself. Good boxing training taught me discipline, yep. at least. You know what I mean? So once you've got it, you have it. I mean, I meditate every morning. Yep. Every morning. Mm-hmm. Only 15 minutes, that's all I do. That's all you need. But I do it. And, mm. and it's helped me. It helps me be calm. It helps me. You know, sometimes I get pissed off with things and, you know, like we all do. Yeah. But I, I get over it quick and then fucking move on. Yeah. You know what I mean? So, you know, I don't dwell on it. No good dwelling on it. That's why I don't ever worry. I don't get up. I remember one day reading a yoga book when I was in um, a yogi, you know, like head yogi in fucking mm. uh, what, big Buddhist monk. Yep. In, um, when I was in uh, Goulburn Jail once and I read this fucking part in it and it said, if you only knew... If your enemies only knew the way you think about them and worry about them and curse about them, they've already won the war. Yeah, okay. You know what yeah, I mean? Yeah, I fucking learned a big lesson out of that. And so I don't fucking get up and waste any fucking breath over them. Yeah, that's you right. You know what I yeah. mean? They're going to have a go, they'll have a go. And if they do, they do. Good luck to them. Yep. You know what I mean? And the thing is too, mate, you can't change your past. That's part of you. That That's what you've done and that's why you are who you are. And yeah. All you can do is get up each day and, and take it on for what it is. That's and, right, 100%. And um, just on that too, mate, what what, is, what does Graham Henry do now these days? Well, I've just been doing a little bit of that spot of modelling here and there for G'd up at this moment. <laughs> um, you know, I was selling a few books and... Uh, and then I've just got a little bit bored with fucking doing that. And, uh, you know, as I say, I'm working, I could be working as a producer, happily on my own movie because, uh, my own series, because I'd rather, I want to tell it how it was. I don't yep. want any underbelly bullshits in my life. Yep. You know, and, and, and me sitting in strip bars and fucking doing deals and, because that never happened in our lives. Yeah, right. we're, we lived a totally different fucking life than that. Yep. You know? I didn't really hang around a strip bar until 97, and my mate owned them all. Yeah. You know, like Men's Gallery, uh, Pure Platinum, Dancers, mm. Brizzy Harden, and uh, he owns hotels and everything down and still involved in strip clubs. But, you know, that, that was about the only time when I got out and I'd go down every couple of weeks and have a couple of beers with him and uh, he even moved the bar because I kept on going to the bar instead of fucking... Go to the window. <laughs> sitting in there watching the shearless dance. I said, Mate, you've seen one, you've seen them all. So, I, you know, fuck me, Dad. Yeah, that's right. So, um, you know, so it was really just a bit of a meeting place for us and just a bit of a uh, mm. fucking piss up and uh, and we'd have a bit of good fun down there. But, um, yeah, that's the only time I've ever done that sort of stuff. But apart from that, mate, I'd just go and have a punt, uh, enjoy my family, uh, go and watch my kids play footy. Actually, Adam's playing. Now for Cardiff, he's 5'8 now for Cardiff. Yeah, yeah, I saw uh, that, yeah. He plays very good at 5'8. Mm. Um, but I've been watching him and he's going away, I think, uh, in a couple of weeks. Look, he's always doing so, he never stops. He trains, he fucking goes, he does weights, he does, he never stops. But he's good, mate. He's got great manners. He's, um, mate, he's excellent. I'm proud of him. I'm proud of all my grandkids. I've yeah. got beautiful grandkids. I've got uh, nine boys and one girl. Mm. You know, fucking ten of them. I Mate, I can tell you, I can tell you something. Um, <laughs> when I used to coach the boys last year, and I just said I'd grown really fond of Adam, and it was mainly because of the way he'd approach me, um, the way he'd shake my hand, and the way he'd listen when I spoke. Yeah. But it wasn't until we'd we'd come back after a Coffs Harbour Oztag trip recently, and him and um, young Al and his mate were up there. Yeah. And my wife was walking past, and all, all the fellows I used to coach, and that were in a group, and it was Adam. And his mate Alan that went up, gave my wife a kiss on the cheek, and asked how she was going. Yeah, he don't. They don't. People don't understand no, how. No, they don't do that. That's I mean, a, he don't leave the house without saying "love you, pop." Yeah, kisses me on the cheek. Yeah, you know, he don't uh, give mate, a he'll see me in front of his mate. He'll see me across from Charlestown Square, and he'll come straight over with all his mates, and and mate, they adore him too. Yeah, his yeah, mates, yeah, and yeah. He's got time for you. He's got yeah. time for a chat, and. They, they might say, you know, that you might not be great at school. You might be, but those are characteristics will go a long way in life. Oh, fucking earth. So, you and mate, I used, you know, you never missed a game of footy. You were always there. I used to, always I there. could see how close well, family I, I, was. I love watching them play. Yeah. You know, from little Geordie up now, I've got, you know, the other kid, one's in gymnastic, one's a basketballer. That's my other daughter's kid. Mm. And they're all into different stuff. Soccer. Yeah. And they're all good at 
What they do. All of them, yeah. Yeah, the whole lot of them. Same as Lawrence kids. Yep. Uh, you know, unbelievable. So, yeah. Yeah, so, mate, you know, uh, there's enough there to keep me busy. Yep, bloody you know, I'm, uh So I'm pretty happy in life and um, I just get along with it, mate. You yep. know, take yep. every day as it comes and... You've you got know. plenty more to go, mate. You're, you're fighting fit. And, you know, everyone I've known really fallen off the perch except mm. me and Leslie Marr and <laughs> mate of mine called Donnie Reeves. And are they mates of yours now? Are you oh, yeah, mates? Yeah, yeah, yeah. We still catch up every couple of weeks. I'll go down to Sydney and play up with them. Or, yeah. You know, mate, mate, once a month or... What's a play up look like for you, mate? Oh, you know, a good session, 12 to 12. <laughs> oh, jeez. So you still got it in yeah. you? Yeah, still yeah. got it in me. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, yeah, we have a good one. Yeah. But, uh, you know, and we do it at little different places. We move around a bit. But, uh, you don't need a mindset coach to tag along with you just no, in case you, you, you get, <laughs> the, the, get the dark. <laughs> no, no. No, but we usually end up drawing a crowd by the end of the night. I would have you would. Some old war stories. Absolutely. And, you know what I mean? Absolutely. Well, Les has had a good life. as has my other mate. He's mm. done a fair bit of can, though, the poor bastard. Yeah, but, right. um but, you know, I get with them because they're, they're solid, staunch fucking blokes mm. and, and I love them. You know, they're, they're me mates. Mm. Well, mate, I um, I thought watching the Underbelly series was entertaining and everyone I knew thought Underbelly was the best thing ever. But I can tell you, sitting here listening to a real OG, the original yeah. gangster, and, and how it really was, was yeah. far more entertaining than the, the bullshit that we oh, watched on TV. Yeah. I, I, you watch that on there, I mean, you know. I've even talked to the boys down there in Melbourne about it in regards to when they did the one on the Melbourne. But, you know, so it's just filled with crap, mate. Mm. But at least, like up here when they made Blue Murder about us, mm. me and Ned and Rogerson and all that, that, they should have come and seen us. Oh, yeah, right. Like so they Peter, didn't do that. Peter Felt played me. He should have come and seen me, seen what sort of a bloke I was, seen, you know, I would have shown him the other side of who I was and yep. I'd fucking tell him, mm. warts and all. But... um they never did that, so they, they just make up their own agenda and then they put all this bullshit into it and all these shit fight scenes that didn't happen. The only one that happened was where I run in with the baseball bat on Anzac Day and fucking and started swiping everyone because uh, there was only four of us and about 14 of them. You needed some, you know didn't you, mate? So I just needed the equaliser. So. <laughs> but, uh, you know, the fight with me and Nettie Smith in Chinatown didn't happen like that. Yep. He actually ran behind the bar after he king hit me yeah, twice. Right. Mm. And uh, I was sitting on a stool and he was standing up. He king hit me and I'd been waiting for five hours for him, so I was pretty stonkered. Yep. But uh, I went there to deliberately, if he didn't pay me the money he owed me, which was 50 grand, 49,000 exactly. Jesus. I was just going to pull out a fucking blade and fucking stab him. Yep. Straight away. I wasn't going to fuck around with him. I went there to fucking kill him. I told my mate, if you don't pay me the I'm going to kill him. Yeah, right. So when he king hit me, I, ca- I called him a dog. I mm. said, well, you're a fucking dog. You haven't got the money. You told me you're going to have it. So this is midnight because he come back to pick up the barmaid to take home. Yeah, right. right who he was fucking... A bit hump, of womanizer, hump, was he? Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. And uh, anyway, so he uh, he turned up there, stone cold sober. And then I said, well, where's my money? Been waiting here since fucking four o'clock when you're supposed to be here. Mm. Now it's fucking midnight. And he said, uh, I'll give, give it to you another day. I said, no, you'll fucking get it tonight, you mm. fucking dog. Mm. Right? So he went... Bang, and he had very long arms, Ned. He had arms like, you know, he could stand up straight and virtually do up his shoelaces. You know what I mean? <laughs> very long. So he was awkward to fucking fight anyway. But he, he just went bang, bang, two, up under there, yep. like that, and my eyes both went boom, yep. you know, straight away. So I jumped up and went bang to grab the knife. And what I did, it went between, oh, shit. The, it went between the line, and when I pulled it out and put it down the back, went between the line and my pants. Oh, mate. So I'm uh-huh. hopping around on my leg to get the fucking thing out. And he run behind the bar, yeah. behind the fucking bar, mate, that he was rooting, and yeah. yelled out, fucking do something, get me something, he's mad, this yeah. So, you know, uh, that, that was the truth. Yeah. And uh, They didn't play it like that in the show, though. Nah, of course not. No, no because it's all about, you know, uh, making them big timers and, mm. uh, and me some fucking uh, dropkick bodyguard sitting in the background going, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's Even the on Pop Killer 2, they made that. Peter Phelps played that. Mm. There's me in there and Les Mara, we're supposed to be a bodyguard. Yeah, right. When Les was as sharp as a whip, he, he didn't know <laughs> to be a fucking bodyguard. No. Nah. <laughs> no one, mate. Yeah. You know, and I was certainly never Ned's. No, 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 100%. Fucking, uh, if he got into a fight, I got into a fight. If I got into a fight, it was usually I got in the fight. And he ran. <laughs> yeah. You know, I'm, he ran away when the fucking shooting started. Yeah. I know that. Yeah, yeah. You know, but... You know, and, you know, that's a true story. I take a lie detector test over, and I'm even thinking about doing that before I do the movie. 
Yeah, right. Because I want it to come up on the screen. I can't wait to watch it, mate. Be because, unreal. you know, I want this to be the facts. Yep. And it's no good me jumping around and and um, and hiding behind the fucking uh, bush and not doing that. I mean, they're all dead. Mm. They're all fucking dead. Mm. So, I, you know, if if I've got to mention someone that's alive, naturally, I'm just going to give them a little nickname. Yep, yep. You know? Yeah, okay. Yeah, that's so, good. Uh, well, no. mate, just, just just in finishing up, because I certainly appreciate your time. No worries, mate. Um, I, I, I've got a bit of an idea around, you know, what sort of money people pay you to be on podcasts and yep. that, um, and obviously where I'm at with, with my stuff and that. I don't have very much at the moment, that's but right, that's okay. And um, when, I, when I rang you, um, which I, I got in touch with you through Lauren, and she yep. said, oh, your dad, dad'll do that. And I was like, oh, I might just put it off and save some money for a while. Yeah. And then I went, nah, you know what? I've, I've met him a few times. He's a fair bloke. I'm just going to be honest and talk to you. Um, so what, why are you volunteering your time for me today, mate? Oh, just because, uh, you know, I like you, Todd. <laughs> uh, you know, uh, and... Um, Thanks, mate. And uh, and I knew that you were only just starting. Yep. You know, and uh, as a bloke did in Glades, a lot I know, and um, he called me, and you know, ever since then, things have picked up for him. So, yep. you know, if I can leg you up by... Uh, you know, because a lot of people love listening to my podcast. I mean, yep. that's all. I, you know, out of the odd ones, I get someone fucking give me a cook. Yeah. You know, you just got to put up with the fucking keyboard heroes. But, yeah, yeah. You know, uh, they're always fantastic. They could be in China for all you fucking know. Mm, mm. You know what I mean? Yeah, that's right. Um, so you know, no good really responding to fucking fools. Mm. And uh, you know, I always just say, well, I'm not hard to find, mate. Come and see me. And yep. Uh, you know, at 71, I'll fucking still step in here and poke your fucking eyes out. <laughs> yeah, that's right. That's anything about two ways, isn't it? Fucking <laughs> You know, win, lose, or draw. Yeah, yeah. Well, mate, yeah, like I said, I, I really appreciate you doing it for me, and I'm yeah, sure so people worries, are going to listen, and, um, you know, they, they can they can jump onto loveyourmindaustralia.com.au um, onto my website, and they can get in touch with me that way, and, um, you know, I'm doing a bit of face-to-face stuff over the phone stuff in organisations, schools, um and, and through me podcast, you know. Oh, you that's can, really good. I'm going to do that, so. Just get yourself into the boys' homes and stuff like that. Mate, I would definitely do that as yeah. well. Yeah, for sure. But, um, no. Nah. We all know people there, so maybe we can help each other along the way, mate. Mate, that'd be great. That's what life's all about, helping yeah. each other out. And because it is. Anytime you can do that, you always uh, make yourself feel better too, so it's good. But, yeah. um That'll be the episode there um, with Graham Henry. So uh, once that drops onto YouTube, I'll, I'll let you all know. And um, thanks so much for your time. I mean, no worries, mate. Really no worries. Thanks, no, Graham. No worries at all. Ta. Experience Todd's 21-day reset with a program personalised to you. Feel better mentally, physically, sleep soundly, experience positive relationship shifts and achieve your career goals. Go to loveyourmind.com.au forward slash 21 day challenge offer and embrace a growth mindset. Todd Ennis from Trials to Triumph. We hope you've enjoyed this yarn and got something out of it to mull over. We think you're a star. So give us five. (laughs) (laughs) Or a high five. Yeah. Wherever you listen. I love it. <laughs> I love it.